0: This is Cresta in the Afternoon.
1: And good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. Glad to be here for another two hours talking about the things that matter most. In The second hour of today's program, we're going to be enjoying a conversation with one of the most trusted names in Detroit media over the last generation, Chuck Gatica. For more than 40 years, Chuck has been Serving as meteorologist, as anchor, reporter uh, on the NBC affiliate, WDIV, Channel 4 in Detroit. And has recently uh, returned to the Catholic Church into which he was baptized as an infant. He's also got a number of other important projects going on that uh, we want to talk about and introduce you to those. But that's coming up in the second hour of today's program. We're going to lead off today, though, talking about what's happening in Nicaragua. Daniel Ortega is the dictator of Nicaragua. Many people forget that during the 1980s, Ortega tried to get Catholic priests and uh, other uh, Catholic laymen into his government in order to seduce the Catholic Church in Nicaragua. Now, of course, he has come back and shown his true colors, and he's been launching persecution on the church, imprisoning priests, kicking others out of the country. We're going to talk about his work down there with uh, Andrea Pachati Bear from the Conscience Project. Also coming up today, uh, the Catholic case for George Washington. Now, this is a little bit, a little bit unusual. You know about the 1619 project and its allies that claimed that Washington and the founding fathers thought the protection of slavery was the most important issue in the revolution. Uh, they're fairly easy to write off, at least in terms of scholarship. But there's another group that's arisen, and a lot of them Catholics, who criticize Washington and his contemporaries on the grounds that America's problems today can be traced directly back to the form of political liberalism that the founding fathers embraced, basically Lockean uh, Liberalism. Jerome Foss is going to be joining us on that. And then we take time with Monsignor Michael Hines to look at the adventure of living in Christ. Discipleship is, in fact, an adventure. And we want to take time to unpack all that's meant by St. Paul's phrase, in Christ. But first, we want the headlines.
0: Thanks, Al, and good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Wednesday, March 1st. It's the feast of St. David of Wales. And today's news is brought to you by the Ave Maria Family of Funds at AveMariaFunds.com. Daniel Ortega's regime has prohibited holding Stations of the Cross in the streets of Nicaragua this Lent. This comes as Ortega has claimed the church is a mafia organization. Officials arrived at Ash Wednesday Masses last week to inform the faithful of the new rule, claiming it is for security reasons. The regime has cracked down on the church in the last several months, often citing security reasons in bringing charges against priests and bishops. Pope Francis is praying for the victims of a train crash in northern Greece. 36 people were killed and more than 75 were injured when two trains collided about 200 miles north of Athens yesterday. The cause of the crash is unknown. A local station master has been arrested and two others are being questioned. Americans are out a record-breaking $8.8 billion thanks to scams last year. New data from the FTC shows reported fraud losses increased more than 30% in 2022 from the previous year, despite the number of fraud reports decreasing. A new bill to ban TikTok has passed through a key House committee. The legislation has moved through the Republican control panel along party lines with no Democratic votes. This comes as the social media company is rolling really out new features to help limit the amount of time kids spend on the app. And a megachurch in Texas is following a recent trend and leaving the United Methodist Church. In a statement by the St. Andrew Methodist Church in Plano, the congregation voted by a wide margin to leave the UMC. Data from the UMC website shows that more than 2,000 congregations have disaffiliated from the church since the general conference upheld the church's ban on LGBTQ clergy and same-sex marriages. Conservative congregations that approved the ban have reportedly been leaving because of less conservative congregations that are ignoring the ban. With your Ave Maria Radio.net news, this is Bryant Shanley.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. There's a very famous picture of uh, Pope John Paul II during his visit to Managua, uh, Nicaragua, back in 1983. And uh, there's a priest, Ernesto Cardinal, uh, who was, well, basically a revolutionary priest. Uh, Cardinal's there wearing his trademark peasant blouse. He has his black beret on, and he's kneeling on the tarmac and trying to kiss John Paul II's ring. But at that moment, John Paul II rebuked him, told him that as a priest, he needed to regularize the situation and get out of playing politics in Nicaragua. I bring this up because this is back, This 1983, and Daniel Ortega was the head of the Sandinistas at that time, and he was trying to seduce, perhaps, uh, the Catholic Church in Nicaragua. Well, what's happened now, Daniel Ortega has decided that he is going on the offense against the Catholic Church. And um, he calls the church corrupt, criminal. Uh, He's now banned stations of the cross in the streets. In joining me to discuss this uh, situation in Nicaragua. We've got Andrea uh, Pachati Bear, who's a legal analyst for EW10 News. She also directs the Conscience Project and is a fellow at the Institute for Human Ecology at the Catholic University of America. You can follow her on Twitter at Bear Picciotti. We'll have that listed in the Crested Guest Archives. And you can also visit conscience-project.org. Andrea, good to have you back.
2: Al, thank you so much for having me on. This is an important issue for it the is. church and for the world.
1: I just think I remember back in 1983 when uh, this, Ernesto Cardinal was corrected by John Paul II. And at that time, it was thought that uh, the Sandinistas were friendly to the church. That certainly is not the, not the case today. Tell me what's going on there now under Daniel Ortega's regime.
2: Well, you know, Al, you're absolutely right. Um, Daniel Ortega, he's been in and out of power since the late 70s in um, Nicaragua. He's now had a reign since 2007 as president um, with incredibly suspicious uh, rigged elections in 2016. And he's been a man who has claimed to have reinvented himself or rediscovered his Catholicism And it was just all a show. He is Mm -hmm. the same man that he's always been, which has been a leftist, Marxist guerrilla. And the one entity that he can't topple, in addition to, you know, fighters for democracy, is the Catholic Church.
1: Right, right. Um, What are some of the oppressive steps he's taken to interfere with the Church and its personnel?
2: You know, it's really up—he's upped his game recently, um, and starting in— 2016, after those uh, the most recent elections, there were protests. Protest um, people that were concerned about the the diminishing presence of democracy in the Central American country, and he cracked down on them. And the church, that has a significant presence in Latin America in general and in Nicaragua in particular, were speaking up in defense of pro democracy protesters. They tried to dialogue, uh, the famous word of dialogue, mm-hmm. with the Ortega regime, and Ortega ended up throwing them under the bus, as well as representatives of pro-democracy movements, people that were, you know, just trying to pre- present themselves as candidates for presidency. He has imprisoned priests, seminarians. Um, he has shut down Catholic-run radio stations which we know are so important to our faith here at home and abroad. And most recently, he has incarcerated and sentenced to 26 years and four months Bishop Ronaldo Alvarez of Matagalpa, um, calling him a a terrorist and a traitor to his country, stripping him of basically civic life, um, in, in addition to expelling and exiling over 200 political dissidents, and as you mentioned when we're in the beginning of, of our segment, he has now declared kind of unlawful the the gathering of Catholics during Lent and Holy Week to pray the Stations of the Cross, and I'm assuming this in co- and it covers um, the Passion during Holy Week as well. When these kind
1: of uh, actions are taken against the Church, its personnel, and it as an institution, uh, Does the Holy See get involved at all?
2: You know, Pope Francis has um, called upon the entire church to pray for those that are being persecuted and unjustly um, incarcerated. He has spoken of the situation in Nicaragua. As you can imagine, it's a delicate diplomatic Issue sure. because there are a number of clergy serving the people, including Bishop Alvarez, who continues to hold his see even though he's basically incommunicado in um, a maximum security uh, prison outside of Managua. I think that um, the the Vatican is leading, and the world community needs to follow in denouncing not only the religious persecution going on, but the effort to stamp out democracy with a very brutal force in Nicaragua.
1: How? I mean, you know, Ortega's been there a long time, and as you said, he's been in and out of power. How does he think this ends? I just—the church isn't going away. He must know that.
2: You know, it's, it's an amazing blinded um, blindness that— um, authoritarians have, and we can look just at recent history in our own lives when we've seen dictators um, brazenly wield authority. We can see it now in mm-hmm. Venezuela, in Cuba, China, um, and and Russia, and, and there is this kind of um, haughty arrogance yeah. that seems to be missing from um, their leadership and is so foreign to anyone of faith where we're grounded in humility, humility yeah. before God, um, I do think that it's important that we notice that here in the United States, we're feeling the impact, not only the grave offense against human rights, but many Nicaraguans are fleeing their home countries mm. because it, they're unable to live peacefully there, and they're coming to our country burdening already a difficult situation, immigration situation. And so it's in our interest that our neighbors to the yeah. South have stable governments in a place where freedom and especially freedom of, of belief mm-hmm. are protected um, and, and able to be enjoyed.
1: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you know, I, I think about the, these autocratic leaders, these dictators, um, and they, they have to know that in the end, the church is still going to be there. It's been 2,000 years. It's something like what Satan must be thinking. I mean, he's, <laughs> he has to know that in the end he loses. And yet he, he goes at it. That's what the Ortega reminds me of, almost a Luciferian rage against, the, against God, and in this case, against the church.
2: Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely um, traces of the demonic, the, as I mentioned before, the exiles, who have come here and that have been interviewed since they um, landed in the United States just a a week or so ago, talk about the depravity of the conditions that they were in while they were incarcerated. But Al, I really need to say, sometimes we see difficulties in our society and we, we put our hope in governments and especially the strong arm of government. Um, And we need to be very mindful that, um, as we pray and we try to make change in our culture, that we don't weaponize our government right. against the vulnerable because it will always come back um, against the church and against her believers.
1: Yeah. I always like to point out that government is the only agent in society that we give the, the right of uh, capital punishment to. Uh, it can use force. Fathers can't use force. Businessmen can't use force. Priests can't use force, but governments can use force. And uh, so whenever we uh, begin to rely on uh, civic governments, we always have to remember we're also by, we're implicitly condoning uh, or at least uh, implicitly recognizing that they, that the state has the power to inflict punishment on people in a way that no other sector of society does. So it's a dangerous, dangerous thing.
2: No, Al, you're absolutely right. And especially mindful of governments are made up of flawed human beings. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at at the moment, then, do can Catholics still gather for Mass in Nicaragua?
2: So there hasn't been restrictions yet on the right to worship, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ortega claims um, public peace and stability as a reason to shut down, especially yeah. during these important times. And we know the enemy, in general, Satan, cannot stand worship, especially at this time of Lent, in preparation for um, you know the sacrifice on the cross and commemorating uh, on Good Friday and all throughout the Easter Triduum.
1: So, this banning of the Stations of the Cross—what's—is there a rationale given for it?
2: You know, I lived out in South America for over a decade in in the beautiful country of Mm Colombia, and there is um, a wonderful communal expression during Holy Week especially, but also, you know, prior to Holy Week, of taking to the streets, kind of like, you know, when we do Eucharistic processions here in the U.S. and and that the Stations of the Cross, whether they be live Stations of the Cross or just communal, are very important parts of bringing a community together. Um, Dictators can't stand people coming together. They want to control people, isolate, divide. And so these cultural traditions that bring people together are an incredible threat to someone like Ortega.
1: Yeah, You mentioned earlier uh, Nicaraguans fleeing their country, looking for asylum in the United States. Obviously, our immigration status right now, the way we're treating it, it, makes it difficult for them to get asylum here, doesn't
2: it? You know there has been, and I know that Venezuela has had some um, lessening of rules because of the Maduro presidency. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to say that I'm not quite sure what the status is for Nicaragua. I know that the political um, exiles, the uh, formerly political prisoners that were sent, were given two years to be able to prepare their applications for um, asylum, mm-hmm. which is huge. But again. Um, anyone that's lived out of their homeland knows that what you really want to do is return home. Yeah. And it's not a solution. It was a diplomatic measure that, that deserves some applause. But the solution is that they can return back home yeah. to their families and to their country.
1: Andrea, thank you so much. Uh, wonderful talking with you again. And we'll stay in touch.
2: Thanks so much, Al.
1: Andrea pachati Bear is legal analyst for ten News and directs the Conscience Project. I'm Al Kresta.